0: So, essentially, I'm from Bangalore and I am 27 years old. Like, I was 27 years old when I was diagnosed, like, I'm a 28. So, what happened was, um, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. And, uh, like, there was no symptoms. There was uh, nothing, like, on, I think, around January, um, around 20th. Uh, like I know this for a fact because uh, I'd gone for a full body massage and uh, for a Kerala Ayurvedic massage and they normally tell you if there is some kind of a deformity or, you know, some kind of a problem in your body like because they're massaging you, right? For ailments. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, there was visibly nothing on my body. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, within I think about a week's time, I, you know, started, uh, you know, I started feeling a lump. And uh, within, I I think, and of course, like I didn't think that it's anything, like whoever imagined, you know, something like that. So I essentially just ignored it. And uh, in about two, three weeks time, uh, the lump had grown really big. Okay. Um, You know, like about the
2: The first time you read, it was when you uh, took a massage.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't feel anything that time. Like that was on 20th of Jan. Okay. And um, like within, I think, within a week, it started growing. All right. Like a week later is when I got to know it it started growing. And then within two weeks after that, it had grown to like about uh, two inches or about a little more than two inches. Okay. And that's when like I, I, you know, was thinking that it's not normal, but I was in the middle of a very rigorous yoga course. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I didn't really like, um, you know, break the course because I had to like finish the course. Mm-hmm. so like right after the course got over I went home so this was about I think around 18th or 18th of Feb so you know less than a month's time okay um since this had grown right like I think about 10-15 days of it growing I just my, my sister is a medical student so essentially I I you know it's more comfortable discussing it with my sister because yeah you know you don't really like it. it uh, you know you don't really expect it to be anything right mm-hmm. just to like rule out anything I you know discussed it with my sister and then she said that it should probably just you know go see the my gynecologist and then uh, so the, the doctor is basically just you know it happened so quick right like first I was sent to the lab and then uh, you know they they did a basic scan first. And then immediately, like right while he was doing the scan, he said that you know you have to do an FNAC. This doesn't look normal. Sorry. You're... And they did a an FNAC, which is a fine needle fine needle aspiration. Okay. So they they did that, and I think the next day I got a, a you know a result saying that it's medullary carcinoma. Okay. And. Uh, Uh, So they immediately said that I have to, like, you know, get on to, like, treatment because it's, firstly, it is not, medullary carcinoma doesn't grow in people who are so young, but all tests were, you know, indicating that. Mm. So they said that it usually affects women who are above 45. Um, So they were, like, pretty surprised that this would even grow something. And then they said that this would take about three years to grow. So, this basically made it quite a unique case for them. Mm. Uh, so, they sent me to, like, quite a few hospitals I consulted, like, quite a few doctors, uh, big hospitals, like, really big, uh, you know, cancer speciality hospitals, and every doctor just gave the same thing that, you know, it's like, there's no other alternative apart from going through a PET scan and a... Um, you know chemotherapy then you'll have to like uh, go through surgery to remove the thing because otherwise there's no other cure mm. so um, like I wasn't even willing to put myself through a PET scan because like the amount of radiation that's involved in a PET scan is like you would know right like it's intense and it's it's crazy like the, the damages that even a Small thing as a pet scan would do to you. Okay.
1: Uh,
0: so then they said that without doing the pet scan, you can't really say the exact stage, but they were predicting, they were, you know, guessing that it's around, it's between stage two to three because it was growing very rapidly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it was at, on a grade three of growth. Um, so they basically, on this, they diagnosed and said that, you know, you would probably have about three months, but if you don't, go through a a PET scan like there's no exact analysis that we can give in terms of a prognosis but you can take this and then they basically scared me me and my family like saying that uh, you know this this is this is really serious and you you can understand, right? Like the family is going through so much... I, I know. Uh, you know, difficulties and... and you know, there's pressure from the doctor's side and all of them are like... You know, really well-qualified seasoned doctors.
2: But what do you think? Was that really
0: necessary? Which one?
2: That... that uh, what doctors have told you... The thing was...
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. For... For you...
0: No, I'm sorry, your voice is breaking. I couldn't get what you said.
2: So, I'm asking you that, was that really necessary for you to know uh, uh, the things doctor were telling you? Like, you have got only three months if you don't get PET scan and all?
0: Yeah, I mean, that basically uh, puts me in a state where uh, of confusion, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about certainty and uncertainty of life. Mm-hmm. Here. and I mean, of course, there's nothing certain, especially when it comes to life, but. Mm-hmm. It kind of like puts you in a situation where you're wondering, what do you do? Like if you, yeah. like they're just choosing between PET scan and radiation that might degrade your body mm-hmm. versus dying. So that's how they put it across, you know. And um, I wasn't too keen on getting chemotherapy because uh, like I... I'd read up quite a bit about chemotherapy and what damages it causes to the body. Right. Um, So I was really not keen on doing that. And also because of my inclination and thought process towards, uh, you know, an alternative approach.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Because I've always been, I always believe that prevention is better than cure and, you know, like a Yoga perspective and, uh, you know, things, things like that. So, Essentially, I didn't uh, go for a chemotherapy. So I kept exploring alternative options. Mm -hmm. Then I met this doctor who, um, you know, uh, who's an oncologist, but who treats, uh, who doesn't treat using chemotherapy. Okay. So he essentially cured using uh, herbs Mm. and uh, essentially using uh, herbs and food. Right, He has his own okay. place where he makes his own medicines, And he prescribes them to the patients. I and mean, then he asks them to come once in a week. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, he changes the medicines based on the person's response to the medicines. So we met this doctor. And then he basically looked at my reports. And he just asked a few simple questions. Like, you know, my sister, who's a medical student, was with me. So he just asked her a few questions. Like... If a person really has cancer, is the hemoglobin so high? For example, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: Like basic things which even a normal person would understand. Mm -hmm. And he was like, if a person really has cancer, like these are things that wouldn't even, you know, be as good or as normal. Like the body is being eaten. So according to him, any cancer, if it exists, if it really exists, will kill a person in 10 days. That's his theory.
2: Sorry, come again?
0: He says that if a person really has cancer, mm-hmm. then the person will die in 10 days and nobody can save them. Like no doctors, not even God can save them. Like that's what he says. If it's really cancer. So then that just makes you you know, think that everything else that's happening is not actually cancer. Like it's not cancer. You're putting the person through chemotherapy, you're putting them through radiation because the cells look like a cancer cell. Okay. And what is studied in medical school, that's what it looks like. And that's what that's how they have been taught to analyze. Mm-hmm. And then basically chemotherapy and radiation induces cancer. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the people get into the whole, uh, you know, that's when their body actually starts degrading after they go through chemotherapy. So I was pretty convinced after I met this doctor. And I went on to history this form of treatment, mainly because he was not putting me through chemotherapy and radiation. Like, mm. I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know anything. But, uh, you know, this was where it was very difficult for my family also to accept because they they were like, you know, there's statistics to prove that chemotherapy does help. Right. Uh, like, there's tons of data and research done on this, but on this particular doctor's medicine, there's not much data because this is just one doctor treating on an alternative method. Like, even though, like, maybe nine out of his ten patients survive and they do really well. Mm. Like, what if you happen to be one, the one which, you know, out of the ten, die? Yeah. So, I mean, but we still went ahead and took that risk because mm. um, it was my wish not to put myself through chemo. And I think that's where, like, each... Uh, you know, patient, uh when comes in, you know, like, it, it, at the end of the day, it's about how, how, what you believe in, right? Like, what form of treatment you believe in that works for you. best. And it also believe, oh, depends on you whether you really want to live because a lot of people give up once they go through these kind of things because the emotional trauma is so high that, you know, like, as a cancer patient, I can say that Uh, i don't want to like trouble my family like i see their faces and i see them sad and then trying to put on a face of happiness or cheerfulness just when i'm around but i know internally they're like
1: Mm.
0: really stressed out Uh -uh. and watching these things is very difficult so i think a lot of you know people give up because they don't want to like really cause pain to their loved ones or they don't want to see their loved ones in pain so, yeah, I mean, like, when I, that was one of the reasons why I, uh, you know, after that, because they put this in my mind that I have three months to live. I couldn't take, take that out of my mind, right? I essentially did keep myself away from my family for three months because of the same reason that I did not want to, uh, want them to suffer looking at me every day and, you know, whatever it is that they must be thinking. And obviously, when you're, like, with family and conversations are, like, you should have done this. You should have taken chemotherapy. You should have gone for this. I didn't want to like basically go in that direction. So essentially, I took that time off and used that opportunity of those three months to um, to work on myself and to work on the things that I always wanted to live. I mean, do you know? If, mm-hmm. right, forever. So I thought that if this is true, that like if this is really true, that I have three months to live, then what are the things that are most important to me and I made the list of those things and I basically started doing those those things uh so yeah essentially I I lived in um you know nature for these months right for these three months like I took myself in spaces where I was really happy like I really love mountains so I was in Purgh essentially I'm from Bangalore
1: I know I know
0: Cool. So, so I was in Kurg, uh, which was like close to home, because every 15 days I had to still meet my doctor, right? So I had to travel and meet my doctor. So but I was still... Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Continue, continue. Sorry to
0: interrupt. Yeah, okay. So essentially I was in Kurgh for a while, and after that, um, you know, I again, I moved closer home, mm-hmm. closer to my family, because I thought that, you know, eating my mom's food... Uh, would, would do a lot of good to me because, you know, mom, when, moms, when they cook, they cook with a lot of love. Right. And that really does have a lot of uh, impact on our bodies and minds. We don't really realize it, but the energy with which food is cooked is, has a huge effect on, uh, you know, your well-being.
1: Right.
0: So I moved closer to home. And I mean, even then, I was not living with them. Uh, but I was, you know, like I had like a strict routine and like, uh, something that I was following, and there was a, a friend of mine who was with me
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and helping me with all of these things, right? Like maintaining my uh, schedule, maintaining exercise routine, maintaining uh, food food patterns, maintaining the diet that my uh, you know doctor followed, asked me to follow, mm-hmm. and also working on my own past traumas and my uh, you know releasing old baggages and. A lot of inner work happens essentially, and also like a lot of physical exercises. Like you know, if illnesses don't exist in the body where there's a lot of oxygen, Mm -hmm. so just you know, by understanding this one thing, like we work a lot on breathing techniques, Mm -hmm. uh, on you know, uh, exercises, uh, run, or you know, uh, calisthenics or yoga or trekking Mm -hmm. so all these things basically you know when I put myself in this uh, space where I had a complete routine Mm -hmm. I actually forgot that I was diagnosed with a disease to be very honest it was only when you know once in 15 days when I had to meet my doctor that I would remember that oh like I actually have to meet my doctor Mm -hmm. because even his medicines were not like medicines right they were basically like seeds or you know like things that basically were in a capsule form but they were actually uh, herbs inside it which I would just like eat it before meals or after meals or whatever. Okay. whatever. So there was no reminder of uh, you know needing a um, a patient or anything for me during this time. Also there was a lot of meditation and a uh, lot of documentaries a lot of books hmm. on how people survive and a lot of things that other people have done to you know to Basically, this and what were the things they did? So I experimented a lot of these things. Like, there was there was some therapy that I tried. There was music therapy, there. but of course, all these were stuff that I was getting off the internet and like trying on my own. Mm-hmm. And also, I didn't like keep in touch with any friends during this time. There was no social media. There was there was absolutely nothing. Like, in fact, I I switched off my phone. And for all these content and everything, I was my friend who was with me. I was just using this, that phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, then did not take pictures during this time, did not, you know, like, did not worry about my physical appearance or
1: mm-hmm.
0: things that normally we're so stressed out about, those things, I didn't really, like, do any of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, basically, this is how, like, my three months went. And then um, my doctor's medicines essentially worked. or the whole list of everything worked like all these other things that also i tried and my doctor's medicine as well. mm-hmm. uh but i can't really pinpoint and say which one works because i tried so many things right like there was there was like nature walks that that i was doing and mm. uh like ice water therapy that i was doing this therapy or like just ice water
1: cold ice. water therapy mm-hmm.
0: yeah or like, uh, you know, staying in the sun at a particular time. Eating certain foods at certain times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, giving up certain foods. Not eating any junk at all during this entire time. And like a lot of journaling, a lot of affirmations, a lot of meditation. You know, like a whole combination of things. I don't know what else was. So. I also did a 10-day Vipassana course in this time. Okay.
2: That is nice.
0: And yeah, I've done Vipassana like even before. So this was like my third or fourth time of Vipassana. And my teacher also gave me when I was doing the course, she gave me a few more techniques and tools. Um, you know, that I could use. And oh. she also told me that this is not cancer, like, right? you know, like don't stress about it, like everything can be healed, you know, follow the mind. So basically I had a lot of positive encouragement in the form of my teachers. Like, even my friend who was with me was actually my teacher. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, all of these things and basically the, the lump which was there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it got detached from my body. Um, like, it was a hard mass which was attached to my skin. So, basically, it got detached from my skin
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, during this time. And when you know, And when I met my doctor... He basically said that uh, if it's detached, then, you know, the food or the medicines are not going to reach it. Right. So you, we can't further uh, reduce the size of it because it had also reduced,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which the traditional doctor said will not happen. Mm-hmm. They said that the only way to like reduce it is chemo. Chemo was to reduce it and to detach it and then followed by surgery. That was the thing they had said. Mm-hmm. But here, through this method also, I reduced it. And it got detached. Mm-hmm. So it was the same end objective, right? So ultimately, I had to go through a simple surgery where uh, they just removed that particular lump. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, even after that, they sent it for biopsy and
1: mm-hmm.
0: all of those things. And they still said that this is very dangerous. This is very serious. You have to do this. Let's do that. But again, my doctor's point was simple. He was like, you know, you should follow one form of treatment. So it doesn't really, if you want to go ahead, then they'll again tell you to go to chemotherapy. If you want to, please go ahead. But I would say there's nothing in your body right now. And uh, yeah, so after this, um, I moved on in my life. And after three months, I got a scan. Mm-hmm. and uh, oh, everything was
2: done uh, after that uh, you had that surgery after 3 months right I
0: had this, yeah I had the surgery after 3 months yeah.
2: so you took another
0: end of scan, May
2: you took another scan uh, after 3 months
0: after 3 months after that so I got a scan in September
2: ok yeah
0: so, uh, so May I think May end I had my scan June, July, August I was Uh, I was in the, I was like June, 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 full of June, I took rest. Mm -hmm. Um, I was completely on bed rest. Like I was just at home and, you know, I was just on full rest. And July onwards, I started my regular activities and uh, getting back to normal life. I was in the mountains, like again, like I was in, I was in the Himalayas for two months. Oh, nice. And then in uh, September, essentially, I um, got a scan. I think end of September, and uh, every, I mean, I got, I didn't get a scan. I got a blood test. Okay. And uh, everything in the blood test was normal. So then again, I took it to my doctor, and he said that you know, it was like everything was normal. And then I got another scan <laughs> in January. Okay. Just to you know make sure and again everything was normally so i mean there was some deficiency of b12 and vitamin d but because i'm vegetarian i think that's, that's pretty normal so apart from those uh, everything else is fine in my report and and yeah like we've <laughs> been living normally everything.
2: normally or this new routine that you have made for yourself this
0: new like Yeah. Adapted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still sticking to my routine. Like I still have certain things that I follow, right? Like I mean still my dietary habit is the same that I started following with when I did the uh, you know, did did that whole thing. Yeah. My, my dietary habit is the same, then my exercise routine is the same. sleep routines are the same. So we
2: have just adapted this new lifestyle and you're loving it
0: yeah it's an absolutely new lifestyle like it's, it's that's uh that's what has changed like the way i live now is very very different i mean but it's the same life but it's you know like my take on life is also very different the way um you know certain decisions or certain things that i do right now it's it's probably contrary to what a lot of people do
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh but that's how i live like i'm a minimalist. And I believe in sustainability. Okay. And those kind of things. Also mostly vegan.
1: So. Oh, that is nice.
0: Yeah.
2: So, this doctor, he was from Coorgore or Bangalore?
0: He's actually from Coimbatore.
2: Coimbatore, okay.
0: Yeah, and he's practiced in the US as an oncologist for 30 years.
2: So now he's at
1: Bangalore.
0: Uh, he's not in Bangalore. So essentially, he moves uh, every two three days from one place to the other because he has patients in Bangalore, in Chennai, uh, in like more a lot of places in South, in Coimbatore. And so he basically moves every two three days to meet all of his all of his patients across. So do you
2: mind if we mention his name or something on our blog
0: you can mention not a problem you can mention i can t- uh actually, put you in touch with him and you can ask him like uh if that is okay
2: yeah because this is something different uh not ordinary that i have heard Correct,
0: but but also like i know that my doctor is faced with death threats every other day mm-hmm. because he's uh you know like he's very outright and he's very blunt. He's not like other doctors if okay? you like if you actually talk to him he's like he come across as a very rude person. Yeah,
2: I get I get it.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's, that's,
0: that's, that's, that's... Because that I understand because he's so frustrated with the system and he's so frustrated with with people coming and saying they have cancer but you know, according to him that is nothing. So yeah, I can I can share uh his assistant's uh number with oh. you. You can just give her a call and uh ask her if it's okay.
2: Okay, um, sure. Thank you. Yeah,
0: uh, I don't wanna put him in any trouble.
2: Right. We do understand. Yeah. yeah. So anything more that you think is necessary in this blog that you wish to say?
0: Yeah, so um essentially I I think if I have to say a few things that, you know, really, really worked was finding a purpose of life. Right, like
1: True that. having
0: a purpose of life was one and uh forgiving myself for a lot of uh things that I basically, you know, hated myself for. Mm that and mending my relationships with my closest people. Mm. Uh, I think these three things were very key aspect of my healing journey. No, mine. And of course, like lifestyle transformation exactly in terms of, uh, you know, food, in terms of relationships. Uh, as in, like, you know, with your loved one and also with yourself. So if I had to just put it in bracket, it would just be relationship with self, with food and with uh, loved ones.
2: Oh, that is, I guess that is really important. Most of the people miss out on.
0: Yeah, like, this was, I think, the key. Because purpose of life and everything came in my relationship with myself. Hmm. And regrets and everything also came with with my relationship with myself and my relationship with food had a drastic change. Like if I look at food, I look at it in three three ways. Okay, so I look at it as food for mind, food for uh, you know the the body, body, which is what we eat, and food for the soul. Basically, in terms of where our energy goes, uh-huh. how you think, how you spend your energy, and what you eat, essentially. And if you look at your loved ones, it's about you know like your basically your relationship with your parents, like because any relationship can be like uh, mended if you can relation if you can you know mend the relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. So because every relationship is a reflection of your relationship with your parents. Like there's a lot of research and theory to that. Oh, that's Yeah. But that, I think, really helped me, like, mending relationships with my parents. That is
1: good
2: to know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, also, I started doing, um, you know, like, I started my own podcast where I talk about my journey. That is
2: nice.
0: Yeah, so I, you know, right from the day of my diagnosis, to, uh, you know, like I intend to like go on. I just have three episodes up as of now. Every week, I, uh, every Sunday, I basically release a new episode, and they're like short podcasts, right, like five minute audio. Okay, so where,
2: where yeah. on which platform do you upload this?
0: Um, on Anchor. It's available on uh, Spotify, on all the major. Uh, you know, podcast apps that's available like Spotify or Apple or Anchor or any of those.
2: Because I can give a link to your podcast on the
0: show. Yeah, Yeah. I can send you that link. And also I've been documenting this because I I write a lot. Um, So I have my blog which I've been maintaining for the past, I think, three years now. And I've started writing about this as well. So, the same podcast which I publish, Mm -hmm. uh, the same, you know, the script of it is basically goes as a blog. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Um,
0: So, it's basically documented in both formats that time for me. Yeah, audio and text. Eventually, yeah, eventually I want to, like, uh, you know, write a book on this. So, I think that this would help me, you know, curate it uh, better. Um, in addition to this I've started doing lifestyle transformation workshops so right now I'm I'm working with uh, WeWork okay and uh, also like I have like individual people who like signed up I have about you know like 20 people I'm working with uh, helping them on like a two month lifestyle transformation journey with them I also do personal consulting, like, you know, if people want to, like, go through that transformation and, like, kind of, like, handhold them through the whole process and, mm-hmm. uh,
1: you
0: know, stuff like that. Okay, nice. So...
2: Yeah,
0: because this is, I think, my contribution back to the society, you know, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, like, people are really suffering. Right. So, what is it that I can do and what is it that I can help? So... And this is this is not what I do full time, as in like this is what I do. And in addition to this, like I also run my own NGO. Oh.
2: Uh
0: <laughs> Yeah, that also I started recently. Like I started it in January.
2: Okay, so even that is in Bangalore.
0: Yeah, that is based out of Bangalore. Uh, but here we work on, um, uh, you know, we work with children. So if I have to categorize people, right? So I look at it in this way, okay? One set of people where the damage is already done,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: all our, all of us adults,
1: right.
0: right? Like we are already part of the system. We already have our perceptions. Yeah. Ways, yeah. And, you know, like we have our six ways. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult for people to change, right? right? So that is where I do all these podcasts, like large-time transformation, all these blogs and all of these things, where people are already damaged. Mm -hmm. But then you have like one set of people which are the children and youth basically, right? Like they're still in their formative world. They're still not exposed to the you know, like to the atrocities of the world. Mm -hmm. Right? So I work with although like everything's on halt right now with respect to the NGO because of Corona.
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, we work with children with um, you know, we work on three areas essentially like uh the environment, the uh you know, entrepreneurship and uh, again with the self, relationship with the self. Okay. So here we have like we have like camps with the team where we integrate uh, you know different aspects. So even though we're talking about environment, we talk about uh how you know things are happening in the world outside. Mm-hmm. The things that are happening in the world outside Will not change unless you change inside. So, an environment can be divided into two parts like external environment, which is what you see outside, and internal environment, which is inside the body.
2: Like a chemical reaction.
0: Exactly. Exactly like a chemical
2: reaction.
0: Right. So, so here we talk to them about how, you know, every small thing that they do impacts not only themselves, but also the world outside. Like simple things like consumption. Mm. If you look at consumption, right? Right, uh, like if you say save breeze or like save water, how do you how does this translate into in as a child?
1: Hmm. Like,
0: as a child, like you can't do anything, what will you do to save breeze? Right, but then practically, what can you do? Like, if you're living, uh, you know, wherever it is that you're living, so basically, what you can do is as a consumer, be more conscious, as a child, stop like holding things just because your friend has no stopped, you know, basically bringing in the concept of minimal consumption, like right. consumption as per need and not as per greed. So introducing these things because children really are not exposed to these things
1: mm-hmm. in
0: school because even parents and adults are like prey to this consumption, right? Right. Uh, and you know what really sustainability means to them, like, you know, like, it's it's just not about switching over to a paper straw or to like switching or stop using plastic straw or stop using plastic bottles. It's about really understanding what goes into these things. Being more conscious. Yeah. About all these things. what goes into the food like when you're talking about the environment, like right. what goes into your food. Or simple things like um you know, people who are living on coastlines don't don't know that 70% of the world's oxygen comes from oceans, it's not from trees.
2: Sorry? Come again?
0: 70, 70% of the oxygen in the world mm. comes from oceans and not from trees. But more emphasis is given on trees. Okay. Plant trees, plant trees. You know, nobody talks about oceans, and you know we all apply sunscreen go to the ocean or or the beach for sort education of and then that sunscreen is actually causing oxygen levels to drop in the world because it's affecting the coral reef and itpleeasing the coral reef so I mean these are the kind of things that we like you know bringing in in the form of camps and educating children about these We like fun interactively, interactively, ways also giving them empty sun uh, you know their own physical health uh yoga guys to do yoga I to do football because my my partner um, we we both run this organization so I am a certified uh you know yoga teacher okay and uh, he is a certified football coach okay so we basically integrated these elements into the program as well. and how do you bring in marketing skills or concepts yeah. of marketing and sales or project management skills and like enable them to like start small businesses, make them entrepreneurs. So basically we're just trying to create a space where children are conscious and responsible adults. When they become right adults, they're like conscious and responsible. So they're the future. And they're, you know, the world we are living them in is a very uh <laughs> dark world. Right. So kind of like equipping them with the necessary tools and tools. So that they don't develop more illnesses and diseases and they can like take care of themselves. Right?
1: Yeah.
2: That's a wonderful thing you are doing there. So, uh, may I ask you the name of your NGO, so we can... Yeah,
0: it's called Karunachal Foundation. Sorry? Karunachal?
2: Karunachal, with K.
0: Yeah, yeah, with K. Karunachal Foundation.
2: Okay, we can include that in our blog, that's why.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, We've registered our company. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. but yeah like our website is still on the process like we're still like working on the website okay that is nice uh one more one last thing Uh, Yeah. is there anything in particular that you want to tell to other cancer patients or caregivers to help them through this
0: I think to cancer patients, I would say that uh, the you know you're not really a pain or a trouble to your loved one. I think it's very important for them to know that. Mm-hmm. And the uh, you know to so the caregivers, um, I think I just want to say that support the cancer patient in whatever the person wants to do. Don't force your opinions or your Belief systems on them. If they don't want to take a certain kind of treatment, it's fine. Allow them because what they believe in is what will work. So you support them in that, not just externally, but also wholeheartedly. Right. Yeah, I
1: think just for sure.